The show starts in one minute. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Longbox Crusade. This week we have something special for you. It's our 80th episode. Since this is the 80th episode of Saturday Matinee Theater, as we usually do every 10th episode, we decided to take a quick break from our regular programming. But don't fret, Robin Hood or Batman and Robin will return back on track on our next episode. But this episode, (laughs) y'all, this one, we travel back to 1972 to review Superfly. I'm your host, Delvin Williams, the dark web, and joining me as always is my partner, making the moves on the streets. He is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Pro. How are we feeling today, Jared? Man, I'm doing good. I knitted you this sweater. This sweater is for you. I knitted it by hand because I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, I'm that knitter in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever, you don't watch Bob Burgers, do you? I know. I thought I just made up a perfectly good joke. Am I late to that? <laughs> there, yeah, there was there was one uh, episode where um, uh, the mom of the show, Linda, was talking to uh, the teacher and both of them found out like like he had like some shirt or something about yarn or whatever. And she was like, what up, my knitter? Ah, dang it. So much <laughs> I thought I was so clever, too. So I was if- cooking this joke for a week. <laughs> If I if I find it after the show, I'll send it to you. You'll you'll get a laugh out of it. I'll send it. I'll send it also to my second co-host. Uh, he's our very own pusher man. He's Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. How are things in the alley, Jason? Weasel Skull is my name. I'm the voice of Mary Jane. I'm your pusher man. <laughs> and your podcast man. <laughs> he said your podcast. <laughs> You got class, Jared. You got last for me. Uh, we, we are both amused. We're both entertained. How are Thanks. you doing this evening, Jason? I'm doing well. Thanks, Delvin. It is hot here, real hot in Washington in the great Northwest. Holy cow. So uh, I am sweating like uh, like I did an eight ball of Coke. But other than that, <laughs> here we go. Which apparently is just very, very common nowadays. Uh, but we're, we'll get to that. We will get to that. I got things to say, yeah. I know if it's, it's it's hot in Charlotte, it's hot in Alabama, so we don't have to go go over how hot it is. It, it got up to like ninety six, about fifty degrees. Excuse me, fifty percent humidity. It was hot, hot. So yeah, it been hot. Anyway, just got one quick pass around question, and I just thought it'd be a fun one. Uh, and a little truth in advertisement to everybody. Jared uh, created a script for this. He's always a uh, Johnny on the spot with that. And his question, and we might get to it, was like, "What's your favorite black exploitation movie?" And I switched it and made it a, a little bit funner. And that question that I came up with is, what would be your dealer name? If you were out on the street, you know, d- dealing a product, but no heroin, what might your name be? Is anyone ready for that? That that uh, Jared's already got his hand up. What's up, Jared? I saw the question about 30 seconds ago, and I immediately thought that I would be Kid Contra. They call me Kid Contra, because I can make that deal happen. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> start. I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, 
man. I can't beat that. I don't even know if I have any. Oh, wow. <laughs> I saw it just a few seconds ago, and I was like, thinking something stupid, thinking something stupid. Gotcha, <laughs> here we go. That's good. Man. What about you, Jason? Man, I feel like the guy that had to go after Martin Luther King's I had a dream speech <laughs> now, man. I, I, I like black people. Uh, yeah. And white people too. Yeah, to Damn it! <laughs> Work best together. Common goals. Oh man, I think you know how nicknames are can sometimes be like the opposite of your physical attribute. I'd probably be like skinny or slim or something like that. <laughs> slim gonna roll up and deal you an eight ball. <laughs> See, I like that. You know, uh, I'm gonna go J Bone. That's that's what that would be my that's name. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a yes, sir. I will go J-Bone with the big balls. That would be me over here. That's what everybody <laughs> would call me on the street. <laughs> I'm glad that we're in a great mood tonight. Oh, that worked exactly how I wanted it to be. And with that out of the way, Jason's going to tell us what this whole thing's all about. Go for it, Jason. Sure thing, Delvin. Saturday matinee theater is a retro review, sometimes index show. Brought to you by the Longbox Crusade, where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television, movie, serials, or film. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. This time around, we're going to look at 1972 Superfly. So don't forget to make the big score so you can get out of the game. This dude is bad. He ain't just fly. He's super fly. Yeah. Super fly. I always consider myself to be the least versed when it comes to the total number of movies watched. In this case, I wanted to make sure my movie fit the qualification of the SMT rules. Of, it has to be at least 50 years old. And I wanted it to be fun. Well, the title of the movie's fun, but we'll get to that later. I asked the lovely Dame Deborah Smith to help me out, and Superfly is what we came up with. Here's Jared with the movie summary. Here are your movie details. Clearly, it is called Superfly. It was released on the 4th of August, 1972. It was directed by Gordon Parks Jr. and written by Philip Fenty. It stars Ron O'Neill as Priest, Carl Lee as Eddie, Sheila Frazier as Georgia, although they misspelled her name in the credits, and... Julius Teehee Harris as Scatter. As it took me a few minutes to notice who that was. I just want to say, <laughs> I was the like, first thing I zoomed in on, I was like, like oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> I thought that might show up in your fun facts later on. Apparently it doesn't. <laughs> as of this recording, August 2023, this film can be found on Prime, Voodoo, and Apple TV. I think it runs at $2.99. Some of them may have specials, but Eh, it's affordable. You can check it out. We highly encourage you to watch this film before proceeding with the podcast, because not only is it just more fun this way, but Delvin is about to give you a synopsis about this movie, and we're going to discuss it. There are definitely spoilers coming your way. So again, if you haven't watched this film, we recommend you pause it here. Go check it out. Come back to our discussion. The film runs in about 91 minutes. So if you don't have that kind of time, we understand. You just have to trust us from here on in. I mean, would we lie to you? If it was funny, yes. But most of the time, no. For those of you who are watching along with us, we'd love to hear your insights on Superfly. Don't forget to comment on the show on X, formerly known as Twitter, using the hashtag SMTMovie. Jason, 
Hashtag SMT movie. Delvin. Hashtag SMT movie, baby. <laughs> Hashtag SMT movie. And with that, let me turn it back over to Delvin for this episode summary. This dude is bad. And he ain't just fly. He's super fly. Yeah. Super fly. When it comes to women, they come to him. But it's still not enough. He wants a big score. A million in cash. Yeah. The big one. This is a chance, and I want to take it. Now. Before I have to kill somebody. Before somebody ices me. What kind of money are we talking about? Not much. I want his ass out working. I quit now that I took all this chance for nothing. And I go back to being nothing. Work at some jive job for chump change day after day. Look, if that's all I'm supposed to do, then they're going to have to kill me because that ain't enough. Can a superfly Harlem dude beat the system? He's got a plan to stick it to the man. He's super hood, super high, super dude, super fly. Priest, Ron O'Neill, a suave top-rung New York City drug dealer, decides that he wants to get out of his dangerous trade. Working with his reluctant friend, Eddie, Carl Lee, Priest devises a scheme that will allow him to make a big deal and then retire. When a desperate street dealer informs the police of Priest's activities, Priest is forced into an uncomfortable arrangement with corrupt narcotics officers. Setting his plan in motion, he aims to both leave the business and stick it to the man. I mean, because I mean, 1970s is black exploitation. Of course, he's going to stick it to the man. The man has to be stuck. In any event, highs and lows, that's what we're about to talk about of the movie Superfly. And let's go with Jason. Jason, you start us off. What you got? I'm going to give a high to the character of Julius. When you assigned us this film to watch, I've heard of Superfly. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a comedy and I was wrong, <laughs> but uh, I was greatly surprised at how good this movie is. And Julius carries it pretty much throughout. You get to see a lot of his physicality up front when he chases that, uh, that guy that tries to steal his, his drugs and his money off of him. And holy cow, man, I got tired of watching that. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> I'm not going to say I condone using drugs, folks. Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad, okay? But I understand why he's doing that coke, because he had to run his butt all over that city. <laughs> and, you know, so you see his physicality. He's also very smart. He's very cunning. Just an interesting character. You know, the acting was a little raw in places. You can tell that that these are some fresh faces, but the story is really good, and I, I thought the character of Priest was really compelling to watch and just a great job. Jared, take it away. 
Yes, sir. I'll kind of pull a pat here and do a couple of things, but I kind of want to balance a high and a low. Like Jason said, I'd, I'd never seen it before either until I prepped for this episode. I didn't necessarily expect a comedy. I immediately, and I think most people would probably do the same thing. I immediately compared it to Shaft, which came out one year before this movie. I was like, okay, this is, you know, Shaft was sort of that big breakout black exploitation film. And then Superfly was the one that kind of came right after it, like kept the movement going. And so I can't help but compare the two. And so my biggest downside is that in Shaft, you really root for Shaft, you know? Um, he's dealing with a lot of bad dudes and crooked characters as well, but Shaft himself is a pretty stand-up guy. Priest is not. I mean, he snorts coke, he deals drugs. Shut your mouth. <laughs> but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community, <laughs> you know? That's the, my lowest point for the movie. I didn't feel like he was a hero. I didn't root for him. I'm like, everyone's a bad person. And so it kind of has that uh, feel to it. But I will pick that up to say, at least they're not trying to copy Shaft. This was clearly a let's do Shaft, but let's make it even grittier. They were successful in that because they kind of what Jason alluded to, the rawness of it and how it was shot. And they really include a lot of New York and not slick New York, but like streets, alleys, grimy New York. Yes. Grimy was the word I was going to use. Right. So it's both the plus and the minus. I almost like wish I'd seen Superfly and then seen Shaft because I feel like Shaft's at this bar that Superfly did not get over for me. But, you know, that depends on your taste in movies. You know, I know like a lot of people love uh, mobster movies like uh, Goodfellas and Casino and stuff. And I just don't like them because inevitably those are three hour movies where you just watch people make bad decisions until something really bad happens. And (laughs) that's the end, you know, and those those movies don't do it for me. And this is definitely in that vein. This is definitely more of a crime. This is definitely closer to Goodfellas than it is to probably Shaft, actually, in that way. It's a crime movie. So, yeah, biggest minus, and it's, I guess, my own fault, is just this comparison to Shaft, because it was grittier and grimier. But that's kind of its biggest plus, is visually, they really sold that. So, since it's three of us tonight, I'll add, we miss you, Pat. Hope to see you back next episode, of course. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Just what you mentioned, Jared. There weren't any good guys in the movie. Sheila, maybe. The, well, that was the actress. Uh, his his lady friend. She's probably the best person in the movie. <laughs> yeah, like there there were. I mean, Priest was the protagonist. Yes, and I think that was the point. Like there were, and I'm, I'm gonna. I would completely butcher the line because that was the first time I've seen the movie. But basically. Um, his buddy Eddie was kind of like, you know, you got a color TV in every room. You, you're making a whole bunch of money. This is the American dream. And it's like, <sighs> he's not wrong. <laughs> like, and keeping with Eddie, Eddie kind of looked at his life at it absolutely what it's not, it wasn't rose colored glasses. It wasn't like a pessimistic lens. It was the most realistic lens possible. And he was like, yeah, I probably like he credited priests with basically pulling them out of the gutter and saving his life. It's like, I probably would have been like, you know, a junkie somewhere, but like you made me into something at least quote unquote respectable. And I'm fine with being under these cricket cops thumb. And like, if I lead a, a long life and I, and that life was led rich, then I'm okay with it. 
And that's yeah, so- I mean, he he saw what happened to Scatter. He knew that was his future, but he was yeah. willing to trade for it. And and that was somber to me. Yeah, like like twenty six year old me would have been more idealistic. Forty six year old me is like, I ain't saying it's right. I do understand, mm-hmm. and it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, it like, was- yeah, when you accept that. That's hard, man. That's hard to watch a guy except, but but I understand. Yeah, yeah. Jason, chime in. You know, it reminded me, and it's going to be a clumsy comparison, but there's a line in the movie where he says, "If I don't get out, I'm going to have to kill somebody, or, be or I'm going to get killed." Yes, and and I think that summed it up for me. You know, Jared, I, you're right. He does it. There's no there's no good guys in this film. But there's that grain of something. It's this line that he doesn't want to cross. And we kind of see it with his when he has to kind of get tough with his buddy that's mm-hmm. not selling the drugs. But th- he just can't cross this line. And he knows if he stays in long enough, he's going to have to cross it. And it reminded me a bit of being in the Army. Soldiers like, do I can stay here and live this career, but at some point it's going to catch up to me clumsy comparison. I know, but that's kind of what, what it set off in me is, is that you. feeling. I think that's valid. More than valid. We can go to round two, Jason. Keep it on the serious theme here. The bathtub scene, baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those scenes where I was like, I don't, I don't know what body part that is. I don't know if I should be aroused or not aroused. I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's kind I, of going I, in focus and out of focus. I felt young again. I was almost like, like, dang, you know, I, I don't mind a sex scene, but it, 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 this is going on like 17 minutes right now. <laughs> we made a sandwich and I came back. <laughs> I know, right? like, it is crazy. at it. <laughs> well, the movie was pretty padded. Uh, we and I, th- I don't want to go too deep into that because I think they almost got fun facts on it. But yeah, it definitely felt padded. <laughs> <laughs> no, ser- my serious one is is going to be the um, the final fight scene. Uh, that final fight <laughs> scene, I thought was, was really good, and I loved it. I mean, I just loved his his swagger and. He was both a desperate man and a confident man. He'd done everything he needed to do. The whole movie is like a big chess game to him. And I don't think I didn't notice the chessboard that sat on his on his coffee table the whole time. He set up those pieces. And then at the very end, he made his move. And oh, boy, somebody ended up face down in a garbage can. (laughs) <laughs> that scene, which was really cool. It's raining threes with dudes. <laughs> but I am going to throw it out to you guys for a what the. He was able to make that move because Scatter gave him the information. So he knew all about the deputy commissioner. And so now had leverage over him. Why didn't Scatter use that information in the same way? That's my what. My guess is that everything kind of just fell on Scatter a little bit too quick. He didn't have time to set it up. Because it did take a little bit of setup for Priest to do the thing that he did. He did have the dossier. It was ready for protection. But like the mistake that Scatter made, I'm assuming that since he was about to be out of the game or was largely out of the game, that he didn't have much of a need to use it. So he didn't set up that VIG. VIG is the right word, right? With like the mobsters, basically. And so, and Priest did. So that's probably... Like, you know, um, 
Priest was that younger man, younger, smarter man that Scatter once was. So that that would be my guess if I had to. That does make sense, and and Scatter was out to your point. He was he was he was out, and the only reason why he got called back in was to get Priest that cocaine that he needed. Yeah, I think Priest out. carried some of that guilt. I think he knew by him making the move to get out, he got Scatter killed. Absolutely, he he Which did. Tough. It was inadvertent, but he did. And if anything, that shows like what a tough. It's a tough game, isn't it? Like, what's even crazier, I was having a conversation with a friend, Colin, today, and he was talking about one of the shows, uh, I think Billions, and basically just like how the insanely rich act of like trying to maintain that influence and that, that power. Well, on a street level, that's what drug dealers do. And if you are able to ride that that horse, like I'm, it's an exciting, exhilarating ride and you're rich as all heck, but somebody is always trying to knock you off that perch. And just like Priest recognized it because he was smart enough. He's like, okay, I'm doing this. But like, it was a pretty, it was a good setup in that this man got beat up just basically walking into where he lived. And then he had to go and run blocks and blocks and blocks to chase this person down just to get his product back. And he's like, man, I don't want to do this crap all of my life. <laughs> I get you see him jump that fence, though? Holy cap. He, oh, like, didn't even sweet, slow down. That was a sweet jump. He did, he did that jump without hands. I was like, ooh. <laughs> if he did that without, like, any stuntman or whatever, somebody is very athletic. That was, that was a cool a cool little thing that he did. But I'm digressing. Jared, uh, take it away, round two. All right, man. Let me pick it up. We've talked a lot about the, the grittiness and griminess, and there's a, there's a lot of it. It's a heavy movie, and it can be a little depressing, so let me pick it up just a little bit and say what I think is the best part of the movie has got to be the Curtis Mayfield score and soundtrack. I mean, what's funny is this, <laughs> I felt so stupid, but like I've listened to the song, I've listened to the, you know, the smooth riffs and he's like, he, he busts into that chorus. I'm your father, your daddy. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. I know this song, but I know it as an, as an ice tea rap. And yes, I was sir. like, I had no idea that was based on, <laughs> like, I felt so stupid. I was like, Oh my God, this, I thought I stayed out of that out of nowhere. <laughs> don't, don't. I didn't because, of course, you know, like every generation has to do this. We're doing it now, where like there'll be some artist and they'll remix something, and the kids like, oh, that's so new and fresh, and it's like, stupid kid. Yeah. This came out in 92. What are you talking about? <laughs> Our parents are doing the same thing when Ice T came out with that. You know, with his song, "I'm Your Pusher." Yeah. It was based off of I'm Your Pusher Man and from Curtis Mayfield. And we didn't I can't know believe it, I didn't know that. Our parents, <laughs> our parents did. I gar- I guarantee you Deborah and Cleophas did. I guarantee you Mike and Brenda did too. Like because <laughs> I'll get to it. I have a fun fact about it. I imagine you do. So yeah, I wanted to give just a nod to not just that really catchy song and the, f- the fact that I felt so stupid. Because I mean, I you know me, I'm a student of the of the oldies and of classic film and all like how that got by me, I'll never know. But you're right. Like, there's some modern song that samples Ice Ice Baby. If, so people are like, man, that was Vanilla Ice. And then people of our age are like, well, actually, <laughs> it goes all the way back to Queen and David. To Queen. Right. <laughs> but, anyways, yeah, the music is phenomenal. I'll let you run with that and the fun fact. But uh, just sort of an additional sort of side fun fact because I scoped out your fun facts. The guy who played Priest, Ron O'Neill, was a stage actor and apparently a tremendous singer, like operatic level dude loved to sing. Like he's a very talented guy. I did some rating on him just for fun while I was 
you know, like during the 20 minute sex scene, I was like, I do something. So <laughs> I and I was like, I was reading about this Ron O'Neill cat. And yeah, apparently a stage actor of, of a pretty big talent, good singer, just a really kind of interesting guy. I think he's from Ohio originally and just um, moved to New York to see if he could make his way as an actor. And and he sure did. He sure. What a he's talented guy. High, he's got, he's, Ohio, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> And he's got this great look about him, a very unique look, almost um, like Prince-like, if you ask me. Yeah, and, he, he unique look, handsome man for sure. Yeah, so yeah, talented guy, good looking guy. I, I, li- I like the way they kind of use his looks because I, I felt like they were kind of, I'm digressing here, you cut out if you want. I felt like they were kind of hedging their bets a little bit in the movie because he does have a almost white look. He, he looks very blended. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes from a blended family. I have no idea what his background is. That didn't show up in my reading. But the I think O'Neal they use that to really... What's that? The O'Neill part, I think. That's a good giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought the movie used it well. Because for this sort of black exploitation, you know, he wasn't very dark. And he didn't have a white look. And early in the movie, someone said, you white looking. And he had Ooh. brokered no part of that. <laughs> no, he did not. And I was like, that was clever usage. Because I'm sure... That's something the audience was probably asking, like, what the heck is this guy? And, and they addressed it early. I thought that was really smart just to get the character. It told you a lot about the character, and it kind of removed that question from the audience's mind. So I just thought that was good filmmaking. Yeah, old boy called a hell of a backhand. On that <laughs> <one boy. laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. Like, we were talking before the show. If, like, you ever got, like, you know, three-point shot it into a trash can, like either act like you're hurt or just never mention it again because that's too big of a loss. Kind of the same thing. Like if somebody just backhanded me like that, it's like they thought that they could get away with backhanding you like that. That's why they do it. It's like, I have, you, you're so dismissed. <laughs> and I, I will finish up with just also a little bit of fun. It was kind of cool. You could have said it was a little bit of affected how, they kind of brought the martial arts in there. I'm assuming he was doing karate. And it's like, and like it could have come across as a little goofy and maybe it did at the time, but it sure enough came in handy at the end with Mm -hmm. that fight because he used that and and he handled three men rather effectively because he was able to use that karate. Now, the funny thing is he was like a yellow belt and I'm pretty sure yellow belt is like very beginner level. Like, like right above white belt. Like that might be a belt. I, I don't know, but I think you're right. Yeah. He was like, he was like, that yellow belt looks white. Smack. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, like, I was gonna bring that up too, though, Delvin, because when they showed him training in karate, I was like, okay, I get it. It's a '70s movie. He's got to do karate. This is so stupid. But like you said, at the end, I was like, okay, the payoff. Right. He's trained, right. so you don't have any real questions about why he can handle himself. So I thought the same thing. And heck, I mean, it makes sense. If you're out there on those streets like that, you better know how to fight mm-hmm. and defend yourself because, like, y- you're going to wind up in some dust-ups, I guess. And, whew, yeah. So, yeah, Superfly may have not necessarily have been, like, you know, the humorous movie, and it was definitely that gritty, grimy part of not only New York City but American society, but I think we got something out of it. But let me ask both of you gentlemen, is there any uh, little – last nuggets that you got there sizzling in, in your pocket there? I just, because I so seldom actually recognize the music, going back to what Jared said, that soundtrack. I love the wind instruments over that bass guitar. That, I picked up on that right away. It's like, a, I, 
I think it was like a flute or piccolo or something that they're playing over that bass guitar. For some reason, that really grabbed hold of me. Mm, yeah, it's got a great sound. And I'll toss in one more accolade for costuming those, I mean, for lack of a better term, those pimp suits. <laughs> I mean, every time you saw them, I was like, it's ridiculous, yet somehow awesome at the same time. And I, I liked it. In a sense, a pimp suit doesn't make sense, right? Like, And what I mean by that is, if you're a pimp, you don't want the cops to know you're a pimp. <laughs> you but, you're, but you're dressed like a pimp. You have a big <laughs> cowboy hat on. You got those big butterfly collar with the freaking uh, the big bell-bottom pants and the platform shoes on. It's like, yeah, he a pimp. Is <laughs> either a pimp or he's a wannabe pimp. So we see him around like three ladies a day. Probably a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you're a big-time drug dealer, you might not want to attract attention. But they pick... They really did pick cool patterns and stuff, though. Like, I just found it to be striking. Yeah, I agree. Like, the whole, there's a word for it. I'm not going to, let's just say, like, scenery, since I can't come up with a good word for it. Between the music and the look of it and the camera shots, that urban, gritty setting absolutely was put into place, almost a character into its own. And... I didn't have this as a fun fact, but I did. I read about it. And, and Ron O'Neill later kind of had misgivings a little bit about Superfly because he's like, it kind of just comes across as like a cocaine commercial. Like, <laughs> there is that scene like, that is kind of like a cocaine commercial in there. You, you mean all of them? <laughs> no, I thought about the one where they're actually dealing and it's like a montage. And they're oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that one was like, I was like, right. what are you doing? And it definitely tells you the difference between now and then. Because like even like first five minutes, like, oh boy, you know, had this little small spoon and did and then lick the spoon. And I'm like, they would never <laughs> show that on TV now. <laughs> like it would be something like, okay, let me do like camera completely pans away. You hear like a sniff noise and it comes back and it's like, ah, but they would never do it like that. And it's just, it, but it added to the urbanness and the grittiness of it. It's like, okay. Yeah. They, I'm watching it. I'm like, that dude literally just snorted something <laughs> on camera. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. And man, I mean, heck, I mean, hearing about any John Landis movie in the 80s, that trend continued, right? Like, <laughs> like what was, oh, there was some movie, and I'm going to blank on it, that I was reading just some facts about, and it was a movie that uh, Jim Belushi was on. And, like, they had a cocaine, Blues Brothers, they had a cocaine budget for this dude. Or for the movie. Not just him, for the movie. They had a cocaine budget. Dan Aykroyd said it. And I'm like, my goodness. So, Yeah. That trend continues. So chances are on the on the screen, you saw a lot of people doing cocaina, and it was the re- and it was the real sugar. In any event, <laughs> this is not your ordinary Saturday matinee theater, folks. You got to put an MA thirteen on it. Let's go to some fun facts. Fact number one: the script was only forty five pages long for Superfly. Which might explain the many shots of people walking and driving and or, you know, doing the booger sugar. Uh, Fact number two, this is one of a few films where the soundtrack grossed more than the film itself. 
all of the music was done by Curtis Mayfield, which the man is a legend because, I mean, from this movie alone, he's a legend, but fantastic job. And last fact, believe it or not, Superfly is based off of a true story. Legendary American gangster Frank Lucas, a Harlem drug dealer whose criminal empire eventually made him one of the most powerful figures in American organized crime. Go figure. Now, let's get to the ratings. We are rating this thing on a scale of one to five kilos, kilograms, Uh, just the unit of measure. It had no application to anything else whatsoever. Five means that you loved it. Four. (sighs) (laughs) That's right. You can hit that out if you want. (laughs) I will not. Four means it was very good. Three. (laughs) Three means it was good. Two, just okay. (laughs) I just want to see what the sound effect is going to be. If not, and one, you did not like it. While Jared recovers from his ridiculousness, we'll go to Jason, and he's going to give us the first rating for Superfly. I'm going to give it four bumps. I came in not knowing what to expect, and it's a lean film, but I feel like I got my money's worth and more. I really enjoyed it. It was a great story from start to finish. They did have some filler in there, like Jared said, but the soundtrack more than makes up for it. The setting more than makes up for it. And Ron O'Neill more than makes up for it. Fantastic. What about you, Jared? I'm going to land on a three on this one, which is kind of actually a high compliment. Because as I mentioned before, I don't like gangster movies and crime movies. You know, the whole Scorsese made a career out of it. Those movies aren't really for me. But like Jason said, so like the baseline for one of those is probably a one or a two. But this one had the soundtrack. It had the, the grittiness. It had the costuming. And I actually kind of liked, I probably should have brought this up when I was talking earlier, but I kind of liked the part where he's like getting hassled by the, the the group of white dudes. And I'm like, oh, he's getting in with the mob. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I think some of those guys are cop. Who's cops? Who's mob? I'm so confused. This is low. And then I was like, actually, no, it's a high because they're so mixed. <laughs> like you're supposed to not be able to tell <laughs> who's a cop and who's with the mob. So it, it all ended up being an interesting enough experience to get me to a three easily put up and over by the Curtis Mayfield soundtrack, which uh, I don't know if you know this outgrossed uh, the film itself. That's a good fact, Jared. And I think I'm going to give it a four. And I was kind of hoping Jared did because I'd have been like, open the door, get on the floor. No, no, really. This is a bust. Everybody. (laughs) 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 Oh man. I wish I would have given it a four. My disdain for crime movies drug us down. This is on the upper end of crime movies. Cause at least it wasn't three hours. Like a Scorsese movie. I appreciated the cleanness of it. And I think that's what's going to give me no problem giving it a four rating because I like that it was an hour and a half. I was kind of pleasantly surprised when Priest pulled off his big caper with the cops and was like, so much as a chicken, I choke on a chicken bone, you and your family. <laughs> and like, and and just walked away and got in the car. The end. Because they could have stretched it out and done some awkward stuff. And maybe the cops had a beat where they had a... No. It was like, no. He wanted out of the business. He got out of the business in the movie. And so they ended it clean. The grittiness and the urban nature of the movie just struck me as real. And just, I don't know, just the overall, like with things going on today and kind of seeing how in some ways things have changed and in 50 years and in some ways 
things hadn't changed because people got to do what they got to do to get a buck sometimes. And, and sometimes those things aren't pretty. So all of that, like it kind of just, yeah, it, it hit all of the right tummy feathers for me. So it, it gets a four. I thought it was a good movie. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I will add that this movie does have a sequel and it was good enough to make me interested to watch the sequel. Then it was, that just came out a few years ago. I think that might be a remake. This one, there was actually a Superfly two, like oh. a year or two after this one. Um, oh, it didn't, didn't do as well at the box office. Probably didn't have the Curtis Mayfield magic, but this did enough for me to go. Oh, I'd watch the sequel. Just kind of, I think it's the Further Adventures of Priest. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. No, not whatsoever. But you're right. I think I, I when I was doing research on this movie myself, I think there was like a 2018 remake or something. I was there like, is, I was unaware was. of this a hundred percent. This was, I don't. I never unaware. I almost watched the wrong one again. I was like, <laughs> 1972. <laughs> okay, guys, now it's time for special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who've joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting on show programming, priority seating to be guests on the shows, two grams of. Co- what? Never mind. Uh, they- <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> oh. That's for the $10. Uh, My bad. <laughs> Patreon members right there. Uh, anyway, it was a priority seating to be on the shows. So much more. These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ow. Ow. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or snort a stash it. <laughs> Braxton Underwood. Linton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Collin. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Matt and Lissy Passo. Mark Ross. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Samantha Mamie. Sean Urbanski. Spidey, 67. Red Sheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. Toronto Cop. If we miss anyone on the list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these well in advance of release, so we'll add you soon. But still, if we've missed you or overlooked you, you can always send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We want you to feel included. We'll get it straightened out. If you're saying to yourself, hey, how do I get in all this? How do I become a Crusaders Club member? Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. And for as little as a buck a month, you are in the show. And if you don't have any extra scraps laying around, if you're on a budget, but you want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, or you can write a review perhaps on whatever platform you're listening to this on, or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We would really appreciate it. And of course, you can always call us and leave us a voicemail that we might just play on the show. You can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone, baby. Okay, guys. We're going to get into the way back machine <laughs> because this is the 10th episode. So we're doing the shares, the retweets, and the comments from the last time, which would be episode 70, where we covered 1968's Night of the Living Dead. That was released on January 21st of 2023. So if you want to hear us talk about the Night of the Living Dead, you can go all the way back in our feed to the 21st of January. And I guess people just weren't that into talking about zombies in January because we only got three retweets and spoiler alert, they're all the same person. 
So I'll read this list. We'll each take one. I'll start with Days of High Adventure Podcast. Fan Film Fridays Podcast. And Coffee and Comics Podcast. Somebody loves us out there. Thank you, Clinton. Clinton was the only guy who wanted to hear us talking about zombies, apparently. That's the one we keep in the basement, too. (laughs) Terrible. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, and more, check out the Long Box Crusade. You can find that at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcatchers. We're also www.longboxcrusade.com. We're on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days, at Longbox Crusade, Facebook Longbox Crusade, Instagram at Longbox Crusade, YouTube, you guessed it, Longbox Crusade. And you can leave a message for us on our voicemail. It's 707-532-5269. And that's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been on the other end of this one before. (laughs) If you want to hear us on our trek through all the James Bond films, check out Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Let me bring Chris in for a second. Talk to you guys. Come on in, Chris. Fellas, I, Superfly is a good one. I wasn't in it. I tried out for the lead role, but I didn't get it. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was a good film. I want to tell you guys that uh, a lot of people know I used to be in the military, and uh, it's a hard life in the military. You know, there's combat and there's killing, but I discovered that I'm happiest in the battle. Chris, are you going to plug the James Bond Just show? No. Show. What? <laughs> oh, all right, I got it. Um, <laughs> Why do you keep letting him in here? He's he just here it. to do puns, apparently. Uh, it, guys, if you want to uh, get in on that James Bond goodness, we're on, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and any of your podcatchers. And you can check us out at Twitter at OHMSPod. And if you want to go direct, go to www.secretpodcast.podbean.com. Well, if you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Delvin, go ahead and kick us off. You can find me on a Twitter slash X at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. You can find me on Instagram, Delvin Ray. Jared, what about you? I am at Yard Sale Artist on the X and the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all that stuff. It's at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artworks at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Jason. Well, you can find me at Jason Albrick on Instagram, and I am still at Jason Albrick on threads. And in addition to Alan... Darren and Ruth have joined us, so I'm in real time counting the amount of people I can correspond with on this Threads thing. That's a fun experience. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next episode where we'll return to 1943's Batman serial, and our next episode will feature episode 15, The Doom of the Rising Sun. And guess what, folks? It's the final episode of the serial. And the meetup location... One last time, Gotham City. Whoa, yeah. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. I'm your host, Delvin Williams. The, you misspelled my last name. <laughs> I, that is the most consistently misspelled word that I type. Remember, I had Lieutenant Williams all through my shipwrecker script, misspelled it every, every time. <laughs>
My hands Everybody. do not do IAMS for some reason. Everybody has words like that. I'm trying to remember what, uh, surprise. I always type surprise, S-U-P-R-I-S-E. I always forget the first R and I have to go back and put it in. That's one of mine. All right. Anyway. I appreciate you making me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, dude, we all do it. It's like, like, cause you know how kids have like those verbal ticks sometimes and it takes them a while to grow out of it. I think just sometimes you just never grow out of them. City of justice, city of love, city of peace. Have we all? How do you know that song, Jason? I had, I had the, I had the soundtrack. I still do have the soundtrack. It's a pretty good soundtrack, by the way. It is good. Much like this, this is a soundtrack was better than. Yeah, Jared, I, I had the soundtrack. I probably will listen to it in years and days and days, dude. So. That does sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>